You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered. Listener-supported. Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Noelle Herhusky-Schneider. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, December 20th, 2023. In today's feature report, Big Talk producer Michael Glab speaks with Hannah Aris and Nicole Siegel about their new business venture, Redbud Books. More in today's feature report. Also coming up in the next half hour, shopping social media on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB, hosted and produced by Richard Fish. More following today's feature. But first, your local headlines. The Monroe County Community School Corporation Board of Trustees met on December 12th. During public comment, a Monroe County bus driver, Teresa Liddy, spoke to the board about issues they have been having with their electric bus supplier, Thomas Built Buses. Good evening. I am uh, reading this for some bus drivers. Uh, We're a concerned group of MCCSC bus drivers. Our corporation has spent millions on Thomas Electric buses that are breaking down constantly. We believe there are other companies with more proven and dependable electric buses, but we seem to be completely ignoring them. The company that we are buying them from has been accusing us and our mechanics of sabotage. They say we don't want to go electric. This is 100% false, and we're sick and tired of being blamed whenever these flawed buses break down. The reality is that we truly enjoy driving electric buses. They're smooth and quiet with no diesel fumes, and the kids seem to like them even more than we do. It's important to note that we continue to happily drive them despite the breakdowns, the accusations, and the frustrating new service agreement we've recently entered into with the company in question. We're dedicated and honest professionals, and these false accusations must stop. Safety is a huge priority for us, and unfortunately, several Thomas Electric buses have broken down with students on board. During some of these events, the parking brake wouldn't set, which would be catastrophic. One driver had to sit with her foot constantly on the brake, on a hill in the dark with students on board for over 20 minutes and until help arrived. This too is unacceptable and the administration should explain why we continue to purchase these same malfunctioning buses from this same single company year after year. Have we ever even asked for competing bids for Bluebird, Lion Electric or IC buses? We currently need to replace several of our older special needs buses but Thomas doesn't yet offer an electric version of this style bus. Will we finally try a different company's electric buses so that our special needs students don't get left behind? Special needs students thrive in calmer environments and electric buses definitely provide a quieter atmosphere. Let us repeat that we're absolutely on board with electric buses. They are clearly the future. But something is wrong here, and this board has to discover what's going on. Why are our electric buses constantly breaking down, and why aren't other corporations that are currently going electric experiencing these same widespread issues? 
Could it simply be they bought Bluebird, Lion, and International Buses instead of Thomas? Might it be related to the recent bankruptcy of Proterra, the maker of Thomas Electric Batteries and Drivetrains? And just who exactly that keeps ordering these same old Thomas buses? Each of these. Thank you. Next, the board voted on policies 9131 and 9130, policy 3213, and policy 3120.04. Board President April Hennessy noted that the policy 9131 is mandated by Indiana Code and must be adopted before January. Uh, I do just want to make a note that policy 9131 challenges to library books, media, other supplemental materials, textbooks, and other instructional aids is one that is required by the state and must be in effect by January 1st, um, just so that it's very clear that this is something that we are required to put on the books and not something that we desire to put on the books. The board approved the policies unanimously. The next Monroe County Community School Corporation Board of Trustees meeting will be held on January 23rd, 2024. At the Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting on December 13th, Director of the Library Greer Carson gave his monthly report. Okay, highlights from November. We saw another strong month for collection use, particularly in digital collection use. We are seeing between 40 and 100 daily searches of the Herald Times digital archives in just the first full month of its use. We're working closely with our friends at the Monroe County History Center to share our respective digitization plans and goals so that we not only coordinate references and access to what patrons need in the way of historical content, but also make sure that we avoid potential duplication of services. There's a really cool story in the director's report about a tween craft club, which I think shows how some of our staff facilitated tween group activities help foster a sense of social responsibility and peer support on the part of our maturing tween patrons. And it demonstrates the great work that our children and staff do. Two of our librarians attended the Chamber of Commerce's Success School career event for MCCSC middle school students to share information about librarianship and the various positions and career paths available not only in libraries around the country, but also right here at MCPO. And our November Teen Services Survey garnered 94 respondents, which is a great response rate uh, among teen patrons. And this feedback is going to help us with program and service decisions beginning next year. And finally, not in the report, we enjoyed the return of the MCPL staff holiday party last Friday at the Wonder Lab. This is the first time we've had the event since December 2019 because something got in the way after that. So it was great to get everybody back together for that event. Next, the board voted to approve the 2024 through 2026 strategic plan. Carson gave some background on the plan. So last month we reviewed a draft version of this plan. This is for the years 2024 to 2026. Uh, having completed the department action items list and the internal staff survey specific to goal number five, we now have the final draft plan for your consideration. This draft has the additional requisite pieces not included in the November draft plan, such as a summary of MCPL services, accomplishments, awards, and improvements since the last strategic plan was adopted at the end of 2020. And this, by the way, is a truncated list. The complete list will be shared with all staff in January, and it is quite extensive, we are proud to say. 
It includes a financial stewardship statement, which is required by the state library, along with life cycle and replacement schedules for facilities and technology, also required by the state library. It includes an introductory letter to the community about who we are and what we do. And it has a list of strategies and action items specific to each of the five stated goals. And this is what we walked through last month. So these strategies and action items are really the centerpiece to the strategic plan. Uh, the goals have been developed in response to the community and staff feedback, as we've said, on what MCPL should focus on over the next three years. Some action items are pretty specific. So for example, under goal number one, we will adopt and implement a new discovery interface for our public catalog. This is already underway. Under goal number three, we will update our behavior policy to better address evolving patron behavior issues. We know that's a key piece in dealing with behavior issues, particularly at the downtown library. But other action items are more general and leave necessary room to determine how best to meet a given strategic goal. So for example, under goal number two, we will expand program offerings for emerging adults ages 18 to 32. But we don't yet know what that expansion is gonna entail, what specific programs we're gonna be offering and when we're gonna be offering them. So those are examples of more flexible uh, action items. The board unanimously approved the adoption of the 2024 to 2026 strategic plan. The next Monroe County Public Library Board of Trustees meeting will be held in 2024. In today's feature report, Big Talk producer Michael Glab speaks with Hannah Aris and Mikkel Siegel about their new business venture, Redbud Books. Big Talk airs each Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on WFHB, featuring one-on-one -on -one conversations with some of Bloomington's most fascinating people. Find out more about Redbud Books coming your way right now on the WFHB Local News. My guests this week are starting a business here in Bloomington, but they're not aiming to become uber-rich people like Elon Musk or Warren Buffett or Oprah Winfrey. Money apparently is not the object. Uh, it's going to be a nonprofit. It's going to be a brand new bookstore here in Bloomington. It's called Redbud Books, and my guests are two of the people who are part of the collective that's running this operation, Hannah Aris and Mikol Siegel. Well, it's an interesting thing. I, I noticed some of the sections for Redbud Books, which, by the way, when when do you, uh, Hannah, when do you plan to open this uh, book bookshop? So we are going to be opening in early 2024. So right now we are ordering books. We are under construction as well. And January or February is the goal. And Nicole, can you tell me where it's going to be? It is at 408 West Kirkwood um, in what used to be an insurance agency, just uh -huh. kind of catty corner from Blooming Foods West. Aha. All right. Well, as I was saying, I want to tell the listeners about what some of the sections might be. But this is just an example. Here's a section. Indigenous worldview. Feminist thought. Black thought. Rust Belt histories. 
prison studies and abolition. And then we get into, you know, pretty uh, regular type of uh, genres like children's literature, graphic novels. I love graphic novels. Yes. Many of the people in the collective do. Science fiction, poetry. I'll bet there's going to be a lot of poetry. Yes, indeed. And I think one of the sort of this is Hannah. Yes. Uh, one of the specialties of the bookstore is that it's not a huge space. It's a beautiful space, but relatively small. And uh, so it's very highly curated. So I think every book that we have has been very carefully selected, often by people that are experts in the sections and fields that we are going to be focusing on in the bookstore. These curators, mm-hmm. the people who are going to be working in the store. Yes. Volunteers. All volunteer run. Yes. So it is organized by a collective of about 10 people. Mm -hmm. And already beyond those 10, we have many volunteers that are already involved in curating, uh, setting up the space. And we will have to have, you know, many more. We have a form online if anybody is interested in volunteering as well uh, for the day-to-day workings of the bookstore too. Now, if you're interested in becoming one of the volunteers, yes, go over to redbudbooks.org. If you want to send an email and get a response, you can go over to contact at redbudbooks.org. Uh, there's a ton of ways to find out about Red Bud Books besides this program, but don't turn off the radio, by the way. <laughs> They have a Facebook page. They have an Instagram page. They have a Twitter page. They also have a GoFundMe page. Why, Nicole? Well, uh, so far, Redbud has been entirely funded by donations. Um, We had one anchor donor who... Um, as a part of Bloomington Cooperative Living, bought the building, and about four-fifths of the building is the newest co-op house in Bloomington Cooperative Living, BCL. Um, And since then, all of the rest of the funds that we've devoted to um, renovating the space, buying inventory, equipment, decoration has all come from donations. And so if folks want to help Redbud, you know, eventually you can come and volunteer. But right now what we could really use is a little bit of financial help. There, there's also different ways for people to to financially yeah, help. Yeah. I mean, small donations are great. Well, we have these other two ways that people can help. Those of you listening who are faculty or librarians who regularly do um, reviews of manuscripts or book proposals for university presses and get compensated with credit from those presses, you can gift your credit to Redbud Books and we will buy the books and sell them uh, very gratefully. Hmm. You can also become a donor organizer and you can organize your own circle of friends to give at one of two levels, which you can see details of. um, at the places that Michael just read to you. Um, Redbudbooks.org. Yes. So there's there's ways to help out here. This is a community undertaking. And I noticed here, it's a new bookshop. It's nonprofit. It's collectively run. We've said that all. But I also saw that it's community-oriented. Is that what you mean by the fact that all the volunteers are coming from the community and 
you want the community to help you get going and get up <laughs> off the ground. Yes, absolutely. And uh, uh, just as you said, but I think also when we think about the identity of the bookstore, it's also going to be very events focused or events driven in a way that we also you know, need the community uh, to be engaged with that. So we will have things like reading groups, film screenings, uh, story time, storytelling events, rather. Uh, we already have a lot that is scheduled for February, March, at least seven events both months. So um, we're going to have a lot of events for you know the community to come, get to know the bookstore. Yeah. And I want to say another way in which Redbud is a community bookstore. Redbud relies on and is emerging thanks to its relationships with a series of other community organizations. Uh-huh. Um, one is our 501c3 umbrella, the Center for Sustainable Living, CSL. Mm. CSL has supported Redbud um, by bringing it within its umbrella, and we're very grateful. This means that also all your donations are tax deductible. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's one. The Neighborhood Planting Project, which is a project in town that distributes an enormous number, thousands of mostly food tree saplings every year, is partnering with Redbud so that whenever anybody buys a book, we will plant a tree through the Neighborhood Planting Project. I read about that mm -hmm. and I almost couldn't believe it because you, you can, hopefully you're going to sell a whole ton of books. Yes. But I mean, uh, trees cost a little money. We have many collective members that are involved in the Neighborhood Planting Project as well. And I know that they go to certain neighborhoods and do kind of more localized planting projects mm -hmm. in those spaces. The, the, the with, neighborhood with shovel and spade. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they have the neighborhood planting project delivers its saplings once a year at a particular yes. time. And the saplings come to the community center, the Overlook in Maple Heights at 611 West 12th Street. And I happen to live near there. So every year for the past however many years NPP has been operating, I see this enormous delivery of saplings all wrapped up in their, oh, you know, um, in their tarps. And then people coming by, people come from other cities to pick up saplings and yeah. then the NPP organizes folks in Bloomington to take saplings to various neighborhoods where people have been um, willing to accept the gift of food trees and they have planting days and NPP planted a sapling in my front yard. I now have a service berry thanks to the neighborhood planting yeah. project and someday we'll yield fruit. I so know whenever I have moved into a new neighborhood in my life. I've always wanted to be in a place that has big trees because it's yeah. cooler. It's it's like if there are no trees, it's it's stark. <laughs> and who wants that? I, I, I think there there might be a movement oriented around that recognition. <laughs> <laughs> but Michael, could I could I say a few more of the community organizations oh, that Redbud is enmeshed with and yeah. relies on? Okay, so we've already men mentioned the Center for Sustainable Living and the Neighborhood Planting Project. I've also mentioned Bloomington Community Living, yes. uh -huh. which is the, the co sorry, Bloomington Cooperative Living, which is the co-op which secured our anchor donation and which occupies the other part of the building. The other is the Overlook, which I've now mentioned as the headquarters for the Neighborhood Planting Project. It's a community center where the Red Bud Books Collective has met many times and that has generated a sense of community that has powered Red Bud 
the organization of Redbud. And the last organization I want to mention is the construction company that has done all of our renovation, Jeshurun Construction, which is run by um, our friend Max Smith, who is a person who has been involved with um, New Leaf, New Life, and with the Midwest Pages to Prisoners project, which is um, housed at the Overlook at 611 West 12th. And Jeshurun has done all of the renovation of the building, both for the co-op and for Redbud Books. And it operates almost entirely with formerly incarcerated people um, as laborers. Um, and they do absolutely gorgeous work. And we love working with them. That was Michael Glapp, producer of WFHB's public affairs program, Big Talk, speaking with guests Hannah Aris and Nicole Siegel about a new bookshop, Redbud Books, which will open in January of 2024. You can listen to the full episode at WFHB.org. Up next, shopping, social media on Better Beware, your weekly consumer watchdog segment on WFHB, hosted and produced by Richard Fish. We turn to Fish for more. Welcome to Better Beware. Here's your consumer watchdog from WFHB Community Radio with the latest information and helpful hints designed to keep your head out of the clouds, your feet on the ground, and your money in your pocket. If you're still doing your holiday shopping, you're probably looking for good deals. Good deals because you can get them in time. Good deals because they're available at a price you can afford. Good deals because they're cool, maybe unusual, and maybe something that really fits what you need, right? Shopping online is incredibly popular today, and why not? You can browse through things really quickly. You can find practically anything you can think of. You can find customer reviews. And you don't even have to take off your slippers and put on your shoes. So much easier than driving around from store to store. But, and this is a big but, online purchase scams are the number one complaint at the Better Business Bureau. And according to thousands of complaints on the BBB's scam tracker, the number one place to find bogus bargains is on social media. Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, they're all happy hunting grounds for fraudsters, especially this time of year, but all year long. There are ads selling lovely things that say part of the revenue goes to a worthy charity. It'll help rescue animals, support orphans, feed starving people, anything to tug at your heartstrings during the most emotional time of the year. Sometimes there are celebrity endorsements, which are all too easy to fake with pictures and even copies of a famous person's signature downloaded from the net. And sometimes there are freebies, a free trial offer, or some kind of extra thing thrown in, if you act right now, of course. Usually, the phony sellers price their bait very reasonably, or claim that it's been marked down for a limited time, so you're not risking much, right? 
wrong. Aside from the disappointment when your money goes away and nothing arrives, you're risking your personal information, your credit card or payment info, and your name goes on a sucker list. So take the time to take precautions before you respond, especially if you're shopping on social media. If it appears to be a major company, make double sure it actually comes from that company, not a website with a misspelled name. If it's a charity, check it out at give.org or charitynavigator.org. If it's a free trial offer, look carefully at the terms and conditions, and if there aren't any, forget about it. Look for contact information that isn't just an online form, and if there isn't any, go away. Search for the seller's name, followed by words like complaints, scam, or reviews. And if they offer a free app, beware. Check out the app separately, searching for complaints, going to the app developer's website, and examining the terms and conditions. Some victims who blithely installed a free app had their credit cards hit for as much as $99 a week. Yikes! It might be quicker just to get in the car and shop locally, after all. I'm Richard Fish for WFHB News and Public Affairs. Better Beware comes to you from WFHB Bloomington, Indiana. Find all our episodes at WFHB.org. If you can help put the kibosh on a con, email beware at WFHB.org. Remember, swindlers never give a sucker an even break. Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Cade Young and Noel Herhusky-Schneider in partnership with CATS Community Access Television Services. Our feature was produced by Michael Glab. Better Beware is produced by Richard Fish. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, I'm your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Noel Herhusky-Schneider. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at wfhb.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters WFHB wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for cool solutions, climate action from the bottom up, coming up next on WFHB.
listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB Local News Volunteer by attending New Volunteer Orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB Local News Archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB Local News. We are local, longer, 